Hello and welcome to the Quietly Visible podcast. I'm your host, Carol Stewart, founder of The Bounding Solutions and author of Quietly Visible, leading with influence and impact as an introverted woman. And this is the podcast for introverted women who want to thrive as leaders and in life. Now, today I have with me Kate Baker, um, and Kate is currently head of product globally for the alternatives business of HSBC Asset Management. She's based in London and responsible for the team which develops, launches and governs investment solutions across renewables, venture capital, infrastructure, equity, private debt, real estate, private market and hedge fund of fund asset classes. Prior to taking over the head of product role, Kate worked as Real Assets Governance Lead, providing business management and government support to the global real estate infrastructure, equity and renewable business. She originally joined HSBC Alternatives in 2019 as Senior Legal Counsel, supporting the UK-based Alternatives team. She's got over a decade's experience supporting alternative asset managers, and she started her career in the investment funds team at Herbert Smith Three Hills. Um, she has a six-year-old son and two horses, and so spends a lot of her time outside of work covered in either stickers or mud. <laughs> a very interesting life you lead. And we're going <laughs> um looking at overcoming or not shyness um, and how to create a space in the room for yourself and others. And and these are quite linked, so uh, it is going to be an interesting discussion, I'm sure. So hello, Kate, and welcome. Thanks, Carol. Yeah, it's great to have you here. So before we um, delve into the topic of overcoming or not shyness um, and how to create space in the room for yourself and others, just tell us a little bit more about who you are. Thank you. So, um, so as you said in the intro, um, I originally trained as a lawyer, um, which was something that I had been interested in doing when I was, when I was younger. But having done a philosophy degree at university, it was also something which felt like a, um, a slightly more practical route to go down, um, as I was coming to the end of my degree and, and wondering what the hell I was going to do with my life. And um, and really, the the rest of my career has slightly been an accident um, due to um, the team that I was put into um, at uh, at Herbert Smith Free Hills, my my first employer. Um, I didn't know anything about asset management or investment funds um, before I was put into to that corporate legal team, and so really everything that's happened since then was due to that random allocation that HR put me in. So uh, so yes, yeah, it's, it's all a bit of chance. Um, I, I was a, a lawyer for a while before I realised that actually um, I was more getting more enjoyment out of the um, the interactions I was having with the commercial side of the business. Um, and so the first step was to, to move in-house uh, away from the private practice law firms. And then obviously, uh, as you um, as you summarised um, neatly to start with, I, I then moved out of um, legal entirely, um, which was quite a big step and took away quite a lot of a comfort blanket which I'd built up around myself but um but yes it's gone okay so far yeah and and that is quite like as you said quite a big step um and just sort of picking up on what you said about um your career it's sort of happening by sort of accident and you know when I look back at my career I can see that 
you know, the same sort of thing happened to me, sort of happenstance that I guess certain opportunities that came, you were in the right place, you went for them and then it kind of takes you down a different trajectory. So so what was it like making that transition? Um, it was quite daunting. I was um I was really helped actually in the, the decision making by the fact that I'd um I'd done the Leaders Plus Fellowship, um, which had given me enough space to to really think about what I wanted out of um the next part of my career um and, and the confidence to to be brave and take that step. I think one of the things which I hadn't really thought about um until I was quite a long way down the process and it was probably too late was that um there's a certain status with being a lawyer people tend uh, they may disagree um but they tend to um to give you a, a space in the room automatically by virtue of the fact that you've got that badge um and certainly the first role that I moved into um when I moved out of legal didn't have such a clear status in the room um, and suddenly I was flung back into the same situation I was as a junior lawyer, where I wasn't really sure um, whether or not my um, my voice, it was right for my voice to be heard um, or, or whether or not I had enough willpower um, in me to, to force it to be heard when I felt like it should be. So so that was quite challenging. I think as as time has gone on, um, obviously it's got a bit easier and then um, and then the head of product role um, was one that I hadn't anticipated coming, um, but I've been very glad that it, it has. And um, and that changed the game a bit again, really, um, because clearly that there is a, a status and an expectation that goes along with that title. Um, and, and finding out how I fitted into that and, and dealing with the imposter syndrome has been really the most recent challenge yes it's so that is something that I see time and time again that imposter um and what I'd like to maybe sort of pick up on is is when you sort of talked about when you sort of made that transition and then that sort of being in the room and finding that voice and also you talked about it happening when you were a junior lawyer as well but before I get you to sort of answer that when when you talked about the the status symbol that is given to the title a lawyer and we do it's amazing isn't it how people treat people differently just based on their job title or their whatever it is that they are doing professionally and you know you noticing that change from a lawyer um, and no longer being a lawyer and then not getting that same sort of uh, attention is, is something which I think it's it's quite sad that we do put that sort of status on certain professions or certain um, roles when other roles should be afforded just as much attention. Absolutely. Um, and, and I think it's really interesting that we, we do it to ourselves as well. So I've found it uh, say a lot easier to be able to kind of uh, step up and say my piece with a, a lawyer badge um, than I did at least initially without it. Um, and I think we go through our careers with a whole host of, of badges. Um, and if you're not someone who is naturally very confident in in engaging with other people or, or speaking out in, in um, situations, especially where there are um, 
you know a lot, a lot of other people present but actually those badges I think become even more important um, so how do I think somebody is viewing me am I allowed to make mistakes you know there's there's something about being a so in in the legal profession you start off as a trainee and then you become a kind of junior associate and, it, and it, with those badges on you know maybe if it feels like there's more room to perhaps make mistakes people don't expect so much of you and then suddenly as you progress and you you become a a senior associate or you maybe go on to an elf council or partner role and um, you may then feel like you have more ability to have the space in the room but you're no longer allowed to make mistakes <laughs> so it, it it is challenging and I think it's really important that, that we all um, continually evaluate those labels and and consider whether or not it's it's accurate in how we think other people are viewing us because of it as well. Yes, I I I, I agree with that, and and I must admit, because my my son he used to be a, a solicitor, he was a corporate lawyer, and he made a, a transition from that into sort of DJing and events. And awesome. my my initial re- reaction, although I didn't sort of voice that, was oh my gosh, she's you know giving up as well as a as a corporate lawyer to to do. It. DJing but I recognized that I was doing what we've just been talking about and stopped myself from uh, just sort of changed you know what I was thinking and what I was saying because I recognized what I was doing and I think that's something that is ingrained in us from a very young age to put this put certain people or certain statuses um to elevate among higher than others absolutely and and you know i i see myself falling into traps of doing it with with other people as well and that's, that's kind of one of the reasons why i wanted to touch on the um on the sort of second part of of the topic today about creating space in the room for others as well um because it's mm. so easy to do and you know i'm not i'm not sure that you can ever kind of cure yourself off it entirely but but having an awareness of it is definitely a good first step yeah, and that that awareness is crucial. That self having that self awareness, and I and I do say that self awareness is is key. Not as as a leader, but not just the leaders for everybody. So so when it comes to overcoming shyness, tell us about what your experience has been, or or not overcoming it. Well, well, it's interesting because I, I tell this story quite a, a lot nowadays um, and people are always shocked by it. Um, but that was part of the reason why I, I wanted to come on the podcast, because I think it's important for people to to see and understand that maybe um, what, what they're seeing is the um, the outer projection of a person doesn't really reflect um, what's going on inside. So I am. Um, I was the kid who had to have the sticker chart at nursery as to whether or not I'd spoken to anyone that day, which I should caveat by saying is a terrible way to try and persuade a child to become very in China. Terrible. Um, would not recommend. But um, but there were real concerns about whether or not I was um, probably, I think, my, my parents ever going to get to a stage of kind of interacting with other people. I was a, a massive chatterbox at, at home. But um, I have always found it quite stressful being in group situations. Um, I found it, I was very insecure at, at, at school and generally um, spent a lot of time, I think, feeling as though there wasn't much of interest that I could say outside of really um, specific circumstances. So I um, was lucky enough to, to do very well academically. And if a question was asked in class, 
um, I would be very happy to put my hand up and to be picked to answer that. I didn't have an issue with that because there were very, uh, very clear rules about what was going to happen in that situation. And, um, you know, if you were picked to speak, then you you obviously were given the the kind of authority to say your piece, sat around in a, a common room or at the playground and, and wanting to be involved in a conversation with my peers um, about um, things that they were doing that weekend or something. That was an entirely other ball game. And, um, you know, I would sit in silence on the bus home because I was too scared to speak to the, to the other um, girls around me. And I, I think as I when I started my my career so some of the feedback that I, I got in my first year was that I needed to to show more to be more confident and to um, to own more space in the room and I, I did find that really difficult as I have gone on with my my career it has got easier obviously we've talked about badges already that that helped and um, and the more I got positive feedback um, I started to see what situations I could thrive in and, and what maybe where I couldn't. I don't think I'm, I'm ever going to be somebody who can work a room in a networking event. <laughs> but um, but generally, I am OK if I've got the stage and I'm, I'm doing some public speaking, because, again, for me, that, that I've been given the legitimacy to, to be there. I think it's interesting what what areas I still find trigger the old sort of four-year-old me who doesn't want to speak. I was appointed to a few boards of um, of some investment funds we've got in in Luxembourg um, uh, earlier last year. And although the fellow directors on those boards are lovely um, and, and were quite welcoming, I found it very difficult for the first few board meetings to, to work out how I could get my voice heard in a way which didn't feel like I was having to butt in or, or otherwise just being very passive and only responding to questions. Um, and so that really took me back um, to feeling um, how I did at, at school. And it was a good reminder that I haven't necessarily kind of beaten <laughs> these feelings. It's always going to be there. And um, and one of the things that I'd, I'd written down when thinking about this podcast was what does it cost you? So there will always be things which I need to do in my job, which I find incredibly draining and um, and really push me out of my comfort zone. And even though outwardly it might seem as though I'm coping with it really well, I can find it incredibly tiring. And I think one of the things is, as, as I get older and life gets more tiring anyway, is to to try and carve out space for myself to to kind of recover from those those things. I, I need to do them, but but it's still four-year-old Kate finds it pretty tough and, yeah. and that's okay and 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 that is okay and then I think it's about recognizing that you do need that space in order to be charged because the work environment is very much I would say geared towards extroversion and for people who are introverted it can be quite draining in being in those environments where there's a lot of stimulation because it overstimulates our, our brains and I think it's about recognizing that 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 is okay and you will as you as you've mentioned you you sort of record as you said you've not beaten the feelings and and I guess it's it's about recognizing that in certain environments certain situations when you're doing maybe in a new environment that those feelings may come on 
Um, and it's about just recognizing that it's, it's okay. You're in a new environment. You've been through this before. So you have it within you to get through this again and not, not beating ourselves up so much about it because then that just aggravates the situation. We put more pressure on ourselves. And as a result, that affects how we feel and how we act and behave. Uh, absolutely. And, and I think it's also about um, being willing to pick and choose. So, you know, but there are a number of things which I know that are going to take it out of me. Um, I'm probably not going to be able to do all of them. So, you know, what what is most important? Where do I really need to push myself and say, OK, right, t- today I have to be the most extroverted version of introvert Kate, but I can I can manage and actually you know what, next week there's an event on, I know it's going to cause me quite a lot of stress, I'm going to sit that one out and that's okay. So um, so yeah, l- looking at the calendar and trying to to plan um, where to put my energy is also something I'm trying to do a bit more of. Yeah, and I, and I think that that is a very key point that you, you said there, um, knowing where to spend your energy, so to speak. Um, and, you know, it's not everything that you need to do so then focus on the ones which you think will be most beneficial for you and what it is that you're doing and when when it comes to sort of working working the room as as you said it's about recognizing that it's okay you don't have to work the room having maybe fewer more meaningful conversations if that is what works for you oh that's what works for me and that is okay and that's something that I've I've come to to learn and accept so I remember when I first started my co my business and having to go networking just thinking oh I've got to work the room I've got to be this social butterfly and speaking to all these people and and just finding that it was very draining and that is just not me but recognizing that well I don't need to do that I can do it be, be a bit more strategic about it and think about well who do I want to speak to and and have fewer but more meaningful conversations rather than being drained by just speaking to lots and lots of different people and making lots of small talk in order to get into a more meaningful conversation. So you mentioned that you um you you worked through things. So how would you say what would you say that you did to get yourself to a position whereby you felt comfortable and you felt confident? Or maybe you didn't feel confident but you were able to to function in the way that you wanted to um I think uh for me it was a case of um of a lot of a little steps so you know getting the confidence to 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 say what I wanted to or get my slot in the conversation uh at at a smaller meeting but building up to feeling like I could kind of do it at, at a larger um, a larger gathering as well um, getting some feedback from people um, hearing positive feedback I'm, I'm very much um, someone who believes in kind of positive reinforcement um, both for children animals and adults and and try and use that with my own team but it's certainly been very beneficial for me as well so um, you know I tried to to say something um, it didn't go terribly someone came up and said oh thank you for saying that you know all of that is memories which then kind of help build confidence for the future I think I probably need to do this slightly less now but preparation was key for me um, uh, certainly to start with um, really thinking about kind of where 
I might be able to add value ahead of a meeting um, so that when the opportunity arose, I was clear on, on what I wanted to say. What, one of the things I still find quite hard is asking questions at, um, at things like panel events. And, um, and what I will still do for that is literally write out the question that I want to ask if I have one word for word, maybe on my phone or something, so I can read it out. And, um, and I used to do the equivalent of that quite a lot at, at, um, at work meetings, so, so that I didn't feel like I was going to panic and suddenly lose my words halfway through. I think Zoom actually has been very helpful for me. So um, I find it a lot easier to be braver, especially in kind of huge committee meetings and things like that, um, if everybody is on a screen rather than right in front of me. So using those opportunities to kind of build confidence and then trying to take that um, to the real life settings, of which there are obviously far fewer than there used to be anyway. Um, but um, but that's, that's helpful. And then uh, to one of your points about having a, a kind of smaller network but but probably you know better relationships I think finding some friends in the room so that you know that there are people there who are supporting you and and, and have your back is really important as well I um, definitely thrive more on those kind of closer interpersonal relationships so if I know if I'm going into a room with a lot of people um, and there's two or three people that I have a, a close a closer relationship with them that's going to give me confidence and, and feel like a bit of a security blanket so um but I certainly find that helpful as well all right listeners I, I don't know if you're taking notes here but Kate just shared some really great tips so there's that positive affirmation the preparation in advance um writing down questions if you're going to be asking something so writing them down so you you you've got your thoughts down um finding friends in the room uh, so those close interpersonal relationships um and zoom is is a great way in order to help you build your confidence when you've got people on the screen as opposed to being in the same room um so those if put those tips into action and you will benefit so thank you for sharing that kate because those are you know what you've what you've just described as what you've applied to help you is something which you know, often in coaching comes up with more in the workshops that I do in terms of people sort of being able to develop their confidence in those spaces and and also to be themselves, to, to sort of find out ways that work for them in which they can be themselves, but they can still speak up and be heard. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's a really important point about being able to be yourself. And I think, so I suppose a couple of points on that. One is that certainly I've found that it's become a lot easier to be myself or be nearer to my true self as I've got more senior. Um, so um, uh, with the, the kind of increasing status badges that we were talking about earlier gives you a bit more leeway to um, to deviate from the norm. Um, and um, and I wanted to say get away with it there, but I don't really feel like we should be having to get away with it. But yeah. Sometimes that's what it feels like. Um, and the second is, I think, actually, um, a lot of organisations are just a lot better at accepting um, that people aren't um, uh, all the same or, or, or shouldn't all be the same than they were even 10, uh, 15 years ago. And um, there's still a lot of work to be done, obviously. Uh, certainly at HSBC, there has been a, 
a, a huge focus on allowing people to to be themselves and and um I'm really trying to celebrate um diversity and inclusion um, and not just in terms of um kind of people's characteristics but also um in terms of how they think and um and yeah I mean still a way to go but it is getting better um and and hopefully that gives people more confidence to be able to be themselves because otherwise that that draining element that we we talked about earlier if you're faking it all the time every day in every circumstance um uh, it's impossible not to burn out that's right and 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 it is and and, and i think also what you talk, talked about earlier at school and uh, at nursery and having the stickers for how many times you spoke i think things practices like that or in schools where they're um, encouraging children just to be themselves and to speak. I, I, went, I went into my old primary school a couple of years ago and did a talk to the children on managing managing their emotions. And I was having a conversation with the head teacher about how, even though he was asking me about my work in introversion, um, and I was talk, telling him about how, you know, in, even in schools, that constantly telling children that they need to speak up more, the effect that that can have on them as they grow older. Because, you know, if you, uh, and I told him about a, a woman who told me her daughter had been marked down for a grade in school. And the only reason given was that she didn't put her hand up enough in class. And she was, she was distraught because she, she knew her stuff. She was very bright, but just because she didn't put her hand up in, enough in class, they marked her down. And, and, you know, I said, well, what kind of message does that send to that girl? She's going to think that she's not good enough. Um, and if she's const- those messages are constantly reinforced as she gets older, it's going to lead to sort of the, the self doubt and the imposter syndrome. And when I was saying this to, this to the head teacher, you know, he he said that he thinks that they're doing um, introverted children a, 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 dis, a disjustice because they it's all about, you know, they're, they're trying to encourage children to be confident, but they're not allowing them to be confident in who they are. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah ab- absolutely um and and there's nothing like othering someone in that way in order to make somebody lose confidence mm-hmm. entirely so so either feeling as though you know your worth isn't recognized or which was definitely the case with the, the sticker chart for me um you know I already felt as though I um didn't fit in and I uh, and I wasn't brave enough or or worth it enough to be able to to interact with my peers and then having a special sticker chart which only applied to to me I think there was another boy it applied to as well but um, uh, that obviously all, all it did was absolutely reinforce um, my my fear that that I wasn't going to be kind of respected if I spoke um, because it, it, it othered so yes it's yeah. um, definitely not the way to go about things. Yeah, as you said, organisations are becoming more, increasingly becoming aware. There's still a long way to go, as you said. But, um, it's good that organise many organisations are increasingly becoming aware. And I guess having conversations like what we're having and people listening to them and sharing them will help to increase that awareness. So, if we look at um, how how to how do you create a space in the room for yourself and for others? Um, so, uh, as I say, I think that, that the creating space in the room for my myself um, is something which I would still say is a, a work in progress. When I when I think I've got there, um, I, I'm 
often set with it at another challenge like those boards where I realize that I'm kind of still still learning how to do that and um and without necessarily having a, a badge of being a lawyer or wherever I think it but for the preparation part of it is um is still very important um but also and, and slightly contradicting what I've said about Zooms one of the things which really helped for me um, with those board situations was actually meeting those people in person, even, even if all of the board meetings aren't necessarily in person, um, but building up a little bit of a rapport there so that I I can relax a little bit more at the start of a meeting and then feel as though um, I can get my, my views across without sounding quite as panicked as I sometimes feel in my head. Um, and, and then that gives me confidence to do it um, again. I think also not being afraid if you haven't got your view across in a meeting um, and, you know, I would be lying if I said I didn't sometimes still come off off Zoom calls or, or out of meeting rooms and go, oh, I wish I had said that. Yeah. Um, and actually following up with the person who is hosting the meeting and saying, I was thinking of saying this, um, I, I didn't feel able or it didn't get round to me in the moment, but please can you note my point so that they're, they're aware that you did have that view um, and and you know that it is being heard even if it's after the event. And then in terms of kind of creating space in the, the, the room or, or, or the Zoom for others, uh, one of the things that I try to do, um, I'm not by any means saying that I'm, I'm perfect in this and I'm, I'm sure there are meetings in which I, I fail to do it, um, but is to make sure that there's space for for everyone. So I, I've been in um, uh, involved in a number of um, community organisations and um, and some of the techniques which are used for the the Zoom calls there include kind of doing round robins at the beginning and the end of the sessions. Um, this is something which happens on the Leaders Plus course as well. Um, making sure that people uh, or, or giving everyone the, the opportunity to respond to a question. And so even it, it's a, a little bit goes back to that putting your hand up in class scenario. Um, so you know you're going to get your slot um, regardless of whether or not you'd be brave enough to to force the issue. Um, and I think that's really helpful. It's it's probably slightly impractical for every meeting in the work environment. But I think being aware of who you've got in that meeting and whether or not there are some people who are more introverted and quieter and giving them a specific opportunity to speak if you're leading that meeting. And they might not have anything to say, and that's fine too. Um, but I think, you know, saying, Carol, do you have a view on that? Uh, and giving them that that chance will help build their confidence as well. So, uh, I mean, the other the other thing I would say is that it doesn't always have to feel good. And quite often I, um, you know, will we'll say things in a meeting and I'll feel really awkward about doing it. But it, it doesn't mean that it was wrong to do that. That's just all of that baggage that we've discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and natural introvertedness coming through but um, uh, you know if you manage to crack it and you've created space for yourself in the room and you've said what you've said and you kind of expect it, it's going to be like yes this feels brilliant and sometimes it just doesn't um, but it, it, it still doesn't mean that you, you know, if that was the wrong thing to do you've still done brilliantly in, in getting your view across um, and I think that's you know an important thing to, to keep in mind. Yes I'd say yes that is um, important to recognise that and to remember that. Um, so, you know, this has been a very interesting discussion, Kate, and I could probably speak to you all, all, all day about this topic. So, but before before we sort of wrap up, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to your younger self? That younger um, 
love that is sort of lacking confidence or feeling a bit shy what advice would you give her I would um I would tell her um not to panic so much about whether or not she was ever going to to get there uh to to be okay about where she was um and what she was capable of doing in in the moment she was in and and accepting that um you know that's okay and that she wasn't um failing because she wasn't able to be a beautiful social butterfly outgoing and um and confident in in all situations and um and that it's okay to find ways that work for you that aren't necessarily the ways that society are uh, kind of suggests that we we should go about things and and also frankly and I can I can thank my my wonderful group of friends for this that it's sometimes just about finding the right people who can be um your your cheerleaders and and your your champions to give you that confidence as well and if you haven't found places where you fit in whether that's in work or or a social environment, um, it, it's not because you failed. Um, it, it may just be that you haven't found the right people that you can create mutual space with yet, um, and that's okay. Thank you for that, Kate. That so, listeners, and particularly those of you who may not have got to a place yet where you are feeling confident within yourselves, Kate has shared some nuggets, some golden nuggets of advice so do put that into practice um what she has shared because you know these things you can apply to yourself um and it will help you in your journey as you progress in your career if you're already quite sort of senior in your career and you've not yet been able to sort of find your space um and be yourself again what Kate has shared will be beneficial to you so thank you. Thank you so much, Kate. It has been a pleasure to have you on the show, on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. That's great. Um, and any final words that you want to leave for the listeners? Just that you can do it, I think. And um, and it doesn't matter how, how long it takes. You can find that space for yourself. Great. Thank you. So thank you, listeners. Um, And if you would like to increase your confidence, influence and impact and you haven't created the free assessment that I have on my website, go to aboundingsolutions.com. It will give you some ideas about areas that you can focus on. And so until the next time. Bye.